All right. Chapter 12. So, we've discussed how far the Bainani is from sin. Discussed the idea that the mind rules the heart. Discussed the godly soul's wisdom is like light to the animal soul's folly, which is like darkness. And thus, together, <clears throat> the state of mind of the Bainani is one that absolutely precludes transgressing anything that is against God's will. Yes? Which sounds like that person's pretty righteous. Page 49, the right-hand column, beginning with the paragraph. Nevertheless, such a person is not deemed a tzaddik at all. Not even a little bit of a tzaddik. Not at all. Not a tzaddik whatsoever. Because the superiority with which the light of the divine soul possesses over the darkness and foolishness of the klipa wherewith the latter is expelled forthwith, exists only in the aforementioned three garments, but does not extend to its very essence and being in relation to those of the klipa. So the idea being that this person is free of klipa only when it comes to their behavior, not when it comes to their character. Okay? So in other words, there is the essence, what he calls the essence of the animal soul, right? which is the intellect and emotion. That is a very annoying sound. It sounds like it's coming. Maybe you are in the metaverse already. And it's just so much better than you thought. Okay. No. Um, so there's the essence of the godly, the essence of the animal soul, um, which is the intellect and emotions. And then there is the garments, which is the thought, speech, and action. So in the Bainani, the Bainani in the thought, speech, and action is absolutely free of the klipa. But the essence is not, right? They still feel the desire, they still feel the attachment for ungodly things. For in the intermediate man, the Bainani, the essence and being of the animal soul from the klipa in the left part of the heart remains entirely undislodged after prayer. Okay, meaning after prayer, the animal soul is just as present as it was before prayer. Okay. Um, now, what I would like to do is I want to... clarify a mistaken impression. Okay. There is a hard divide being made that we just read between the essence and the garments, right? The essence here should not be confused with essence. Normally, as it shows up in Chassidus, which means the deepest part of oneself here, it just means the actual experiences of the person, right? Their emotions, their attitudes, okay? um, as opposed to the garments, right? The thought, speech, and action. And the idea being is that the Bainini, right? is completely free of klipa when it comes to their thoughts, speech, and action, but when it comes to their essence, their human character, after prayer, they're just as ungodly as before. Now, I 
We also spoke about the idea that the mind rules the heart after prayer. We also spoke of the idea that the light banishes the darkness, right? Um, the thing that I want to, to speak about is, is, is it possible to create just a, a, a strong line, strong division between the essence of a person, the character of a person, the mood, the feelings, the experiences of a person, and their behavior? Is it possible to make such a strong, hard line between those things? People can. People can? Mm. But can they? What does acting do to a person? When there's a strong divergence between one's behavior and one's inner life, what starts to happen to a person? Sometimes they actually change towards their acting behavior. Like if they're trying to act in a positive way. Yeah, but that's, I'm, I'm not, I want to be, I, what I'm, I don't, when, that's assuming the change is possible. We're talking about the change is impossible. We're saying that the, the baby is not going to become a tzadik, right? right? So I'm not talking about, there's a person who has, I don't know, they have a procrastination problem, right? They're very lazy and they work on it both in practice and also in attitude. And that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about that your inner life is going one way, right? And yet you are exercising conscious control to act differently than your inner life. That divergence, what will that do to a person over time? Will it have good effects on the person? Probably negative effects, right? So, in Hasidus, um, it explains that, that the emotional part of the person has actually two different layers to it. Okay? Um, there's the emotions as they are drive to behavior, action and inaction. And there's the emotions as they flesh out the inner life the experience of the person. So, let me just give a concrete example. Um, you have to get to work. Do you feel that you have to get to work? Yeah, most people feel they have to get to work. Does that mean the only thing they desire now is to get to work? No. In fact, on some level, the feeling like I have to get to work might seem more superficial than my true desires, right? But I still feel that I have to get to work. It's not only that I understand that it's important to get to work. Does that make sense? So, the real difference between the Bainani and the Tzaddik is not that the Bainani's essence is not godly and only his garments are godly whereas the tzaddik the entire person is godly that's not real that, that, that's misleading and the reason why I want to stop and pause on this is because if we let that um, distortion rest we end up either implicitly and sometimes explicitly encouraging people to live a life which is um, kind of a, a compartmentalized life in other words that I will act one way and I will repress, reject, and ignore this other part of myself. And what ends up happening is the person is not only not a Bainani, um, most people um, experience a lot of um, 
mental anguish from trying to live a life like that. And if you try to actively live your life one way, even though you don't feel anything towards that way of living, it's not going to work. So, so it's yeah. like you've got like shame because you're trying to become someone that you actually aren't capable of being. Right. You're trying to act as if you're something that you're not. And if you read this very superficially, that little bit of text we read, that's kind of what it sounds like. So read it again. Nevertheless, such a person is not deemed a tzaddik at all because the spirit of which the light of the divine soul possesses over the darkness and foolishness of the klipa, whereby the latter is expelled forthwith, exists only in the aforementioned three garments, but does not ex- extend to his very essence and being in relation to the klipa. And again, essence and being refers to the intellect, the emotion, the inner life of the person. For the bainini, the essence being of the animal soul from the klipa and the left part that remain entirely undislodged after prayer. So my inner life is full of klipa, it remains full of klipa, and yet my behavior is going to be purely godly. And if you, and if you take that dichotomy and just make it very simplistic like that, you're going to, it's not going to work because the person's behavior is not entirely detached from their inner life. Again, we can get ourselves to act in certain ways under certain conditions, but over an extended period of time, that kind of stress gives all person all sorts of mental anguish and is really not sustainable. So what does he mean by this? What he means is that even though, even though it speaks about the garments, we have to understand that the garments are nonetheless um, connected to how the person feels. Um, because this is very subtle and abstract, we're going to use a more concrete example, okay? The concrete example is from Jewish law. In Jewish law, first off, everything in Jewish law and halacha, even if it seems to be a mundane matter, really has connected to the spirituality of Torah, and so therefore can be used to, to get at some of these ideas. So in halacha, we have a concept called a kinyan. A kinyan means a legal act of acquisition. Okay? So when something, when someone acquires something legally, in order for that to occur, they must do an act called a kinyan, act of acquisition. Okay? Um, are you familiar with a Jewish marriage? How does a Jewish marriage work? Give ring. Who gives the ring? The man gives the ring. Why is the man giving the ring? He's acquiring the woman. Okay. What does it mean he's acquiring the woman? Jesus. In what sense? Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you that this is not, this, this, is, this, this should we understand purely is a legal matter. It's not such a complicated matter. In, in, in biblical law, according to Torah law, again, we have, we have, uh, some rabbinic restrictions on this. But biblically speaking, a woman can be married to only one man, correct? But a man can be married to more than one woman. Yaakov was married to how many wives? Four. Yeah, four. Possibly. It depends how you read it. But yeah. So, a unmarried woman has this aspect of her being, which is that she could be married. If she gives that ability to be married to one man, it can no longer be used by another man, right? That, so what he is acquiring is her marriage element. Right? He's not acquiring her like a piece of property. 
Okay. So that's why it was very careful that there wasn't of acquisition, not acquisition of ownership. Not all kinyanim are acquisitions of ownership. For instance, if I'm going to ask you to watch something for me, you are legally responsible only if you've made a kinyan. You've acquired the responsibility of ownership, of, 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 of guardianship. Okay? So, since a woman can only be married to one man, we want to know, is that aspect of her being already assigned to a particular man or not? What? So the Kenyan is that he gives her an object of value and she gives him what? Her marriage. Her, 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 her marriageability. And once it's given, and, that, and the reason works that way, not the other way, is because he, doesn't give, he does not give her his marriageability because he can technically go marry another woman. At the same time, okay? So what I want you to understand is this notion of Kenyan is about the change of the legality of something, okay? Ownership is just the most obvious example. Good? Okay. By the way, is, 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 does acquiring something give you rights or responsibilities or it depends on the specific situation? Depends, right? For instance, if I ask you to watch something for me, um, it only gives you responsibilities. It doesn't give you any rights to it. If you own something, you have both rights and responsibilities. Okay. Marriage involves? Both. Right? By the woman giving her marriage ability to the husband, the husband becomes entitled to certain things, but he also becomes responsible for certain things. Okay. Fine. But that's why the term Kenyan is used because Kenyan means, right, there is, some, there is some legally thing that is now being moved from category A to category B, from being, she could marry her to anybody, you know, now she's just married to him, right? This object is owned by Reuven, now, now it's owned by Shimon, okay? And so Kenyan becomes a very important part of Jewish law. Um, many mitzvahs require, certain mitzvahs require you actually own the item you do the mitzvah with. So, for instance, the mitzvah of the lulav on the first day of Sukkot, you have to be the owner of the lulav. So, if you don't own your own lulav, can you do the mitzvah? Mm-hmm. No. We have a workaround of this problem. What's the workaround? I don't what? How does, how does the workaround work? Workaround works. They give it to you as a gift. And then you give it back to the person immediately, and it's now given back to them, and then you give it to the next person. That's right. There's a lot of, right? Now, in order to make sure that happens, what you do is you give a gift on condition because you can do things on condition. So you give a gift on condition that it's returned, which is a full-fledged act of acquisition, but only if you return it. If you fail to return it, then retroactively, it was never yours. Yeah. Judaism, religion of legalism. Okay, so one of the rules that exists in the, in the Torah about a Kenyan and there's a general rule, you cannot do a Kenyan, you cannot do this act of acquisition regarding something which does not yet exist. <laughs> what? I'm, that's even better, so now you're gonna see the cross between Gemara and Chassidus. You cannot give, oh, you cannot, right? It's called Davr Shalei Bail Oilam, so you in the Gemara class now. So, for instance, I have a date tree, right? You might be familiar with a date tree? Okay, right. <laughs> So seeing it's all, the Torah's all unified together. I have a date tree, and you would like to purchase my dates that are going to grow next year. And I say, that's fine. I will sell you 30 kilos of dates at a good price. What's a good price for 30 kilos of dates? 
I don't know. Let's come up with a number. Let's just call it. I don't know. I don't know what the price of dates is, but let's say, let's say, let's say, no, let's say it's 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 nine hundred shekels. That seems like a good price for thirty kilos of dates. Yeah, thirty shekels a kilo for dates. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, nine hundred shekels. Okay, now, so we need to do the Kenyan. Now, the way the Kenyan works is, um, the standard, the easiest way to do a Kenyan, um, is that we use something else. As a as a as an as a as a marker, so the way it would work is, I have the dates. You want to become the owner of the dates, so we take something of yours, say a pen, and you give me the pen, and I take possession of the pen. And in exchange for taking possession of the pen, you become the owner of. So I do a kenyan on the pen, and that act of me acquiring the pen simultaneously causes the dates to transfer from my ownership to your ownership. And that would work great if the dates were sitting in my garage, right? The problem is, where are these dates? They do not exist yet. And therefore, the Kenyan is not effective. You do not become the owner of the dates. But those are accustomed to grow, so you can't... Hey, wait, 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 wait. I know, I, I happen to know this stuff. Okay, now, here's the problem. Before we go forward, just so we understand. Who cares? Like at the end of the day, you want to buy the dates. I want to sell you the dates. So does it really matter? Mm. Because in the future, the dates might not grow. There might be a drought. There might be a drought, right? So that's actually not really a problem. Then give the pen back. That's not a problem. Oh, the pen, the pen you give back. You give the pen back right away. That's not a problem. The dates didn't grow. Okay. So well, that's not a problem. Who cares if the grapes didn't grow? You do if you want. What? Oh, well, they didn't grow. Legally, there's something happened. You bought. Them. You bought, but buy, you didn't buy them. They don't exist. <laughs> you didn't buy them. They didn't exist. That's the. Re- what would happen if at the end the dates grow and the price of dates goes up? And now I'm like, um, actually, see, the dates didn't exist when we to the sale. And now the price of dates is 40 shekels for a kilo of dates, instead of the 30. So um, I'm not letting you take the dates. I'm gonna sell them to someone who's willing to pay me the going rate of 40 shekels for the dates. And your argument is gonna be, well, well I've already bought the dates. And I'm like, no, you didn't, because they didn't exist yet. Or conversely, what if the price of dates goes down? And you're like, um, actually, Rabbi Kaufman, I don't want to buy your dates because I can get, I can get dates at 20 shekels a kilo now. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't know. In other words, the problem is when one person wants to back out of the sale. You don't need to go all the way the dates don't come in. Like, the dates grow, let's just leave it, the dates grow. But you might, after the fact, want to back out of the sale. And here's the rule. This is the rule of the Kenyan. Once a Kenyan has occurred, it is permanent. Go back to marriage. That's why I started with marriage. When we started with marriage. And marriage is a Kenyan, right? What happens if right after he gives her the ring and she accepts it, one of them says, um, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't, I'm not, not into this. What's the halacha? What? What? They need a divorce. They need a divorce. By the way, what is a divorce in Jewish law? What is, what is, going, on in, what is going on in a divorce? He's giving her her marriage ability. Back. That's why it's very important that he gives the divorce to her. And it's written in such a way, right? That he is sending her 
Not he has said, he's not saying, if he said, writes and builds divorce, I'm no longer your husband, it's not good enough. He has to write, you are a free woman to marry whoever you want. That's actually the main part of the divorce. The thing that she gave him, he has to give back. The same thing, if I buy something and right afterwards one of us decides that, that we don't like the sale, I mean, you, we can sell it back, that's true, but, but absence, you need a Kenyan to reverse a Kenyan. So that's the whole point. No, it's the non-existent thing. Why is that very important? Because you can back out. You can you back out. Whereas if they did exist, the Kenyan was in effect, you can't back out. You could try and persuade the person to sell it back to you or something. Wait, if the dates didn't come in, didn't happen yet? No, it's if it I sell it? you the dates and the dates didn't grow yet, didn't grow yet right? And now the price of dates changes after they grow. And one of us wants to back out because either they're too expensive for you, right? Because you can buy them cheaper or they're too cheap for me. I couldn't get a better price on them. Well, the fact that they didn't exist at the time that, of that Kenyan means that Kenyan had how much effect on the dates? It had no effect. And therefore, these dates are actually still pre-sale and you, you know, either of us can back out. On the other hand, let's say I had the dates sitting in my garage and I sell, I'll deliver them to you in three months. And you're buying them because you think that right now you're gonna pay 30 shekels for, pair, for, for dates. And you'll be able to sell them three months for 40 shekels for a kilo of dates. And it comes wrong, you're right. And like, you know what, I decide, you know what, actually I'm not, I'm gonna sell the dates. After all, my garage, I'm gonna sell the dates. So I like back out, it doesn't work because I already give you ownership of them even though they're sitting in my garage, or vice versa, right? You realize that that's too expensive, you could get the dates for, for cheaper. So the issue is with a Kenyan is once a Kenyan has this irrevocableness to it. That's what I want you to get. Once a Kenyan has occurred, you have to do a Kenyan to reverse it. It's done. So what's the point of doing a Kenyan on something that didn't grow yet? It, it, it really does not come Just to make a deal? There is no point. That's exactly the point, there is no point. You don't make a kid. That's exactly the point. On that, basically, you don't make a kid to something like you. Why? If you know the halacha, you wouldn't do such a thing like that because you know you're never. Right? People do all sorts of stuff where they don't know the law and they realize like they're not. They're not really. Um, they're not helping themselves. Okay. Okay. Good. Makes sense. Now. Let's say I have some date trees and you would like to purchase some dates that haven't existed yet, that don't exist yet. And we don't want, you don't want to have the, well, you don't want to worry that the price of dates is going to soar and I'm going to back out of the deal. And I don't want to be worried. What don't I want to be worried about? Because I'm the seller. That you're going to back out. That you're going to back out because the price of dates drops, right? In other words, again, if nobody, this is the thing that's important. If nobody's willing to back out when you deal with monetary issues, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, you'll give the dates and we're done, right? The real issue is when someone wants to back out afterwards. So I want to cover my basis to make sure that you're not going to back out because the price of dates drops. And I, you want to make sure I'm not going to back out because the price of dates goes up. So how can we do this? Well, it's very simple. You know what, does, you know what doesn't exist is the dates, but you know what does exist? The tree. I could sell you the tree. And if you own the tree, you obviously own the dates that the tree produces, right? I mean, if you own a cow, 
But I'm going to sell you the tree. Good? If I sell you the tree, you earn all the dates. Seems a pretty good deal, right? You solved the problem, right? That's not the issue. That's what I want you to understand. That's not the, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. The dates might not grow is not the issue. Thanks. You want to make that the issue, but that's not the issue. The issue is, the halacha is, you cannot do a kingin for something which does not exist. Okay? And what's the problem? The, pro- the problem is that if we do the sale today and then the what's in my interest or your interest changes later and there's no Kenyan already in place, then either of us could go back out. Right? Think, you have to think, think business. Think business. People back out of things. Right? Have you ever, here's, an, here's an interesting, I'll, I'll do it like a slightly different thing so make it a little more. Right? With the marriage, you can't back out. Like you do the Kenyan, you can't back out, right? Okay. Um, if I order something from somebody, I call them up and say, I want to purchase something, right? And then afterwards, and he says, okay, we agree. We set a price. We're done, right? And afterwards, can I change, call him back up and say, not am I like, am I allowed, am I, uh, legally, do I have the power to cancel the sale? I called him up. I said, I want to order three chickens. He says, okay, chickens are going to cost this amount of money. I said, okay, fine. When are they going to be delivered? This afternoon, great. Okay? One second. I'm not asking, I want to know halacha. And then, right? And then I call him up, and he says they're going to be there in the afternoon, right? And it's three o'clock in the afternoon, so no chickens have arrived yet. I call him up, and I say, you know what? Never mind. I don't want the chicken. And he's like, too bad. You ordered the chicken. Got to pay him for it. Who's right? Who, do, can I back out or can't I back out? You're not asking the right question. Was there a Kenyan, not contract? Did the chicken exist? So here's the rule. Words don't make a Kenyan. <laughs> Remember how I said, how, how do we make those Kenyan on the dates? How, how do we make that Kenyan on the dates? Yeah, so now, right? But the simply fact that I said, I said that I'm going to purchase them and I agreed on a price and you said you're going to sell them, that's very nice. It means I'm a bad person for canceling the sale. It means, you know how in Shul, like, they have this thing called a mishabayrach, where you like, ask the, the, the you say, like, we're going to bless this person. There's something called a mishapara, where, where you can, you know, it's the opposite, where, you, where they get up and they say with the Sefer Torah, and they say, just as the one who took vengeance upon the, the, the people, of the generation of the flood and the generation of the desert and all these wicked people should take vengeance upon all the people who don't keep their word. So you can do that, but I'm still legally allowed to back out. It's a very awkward moment, right? So I'm a bad person. I'm a wicked bad person, but I'm legally allowed to because there was no Kenyan. Remember, the, the key thing about Kenyan is no backsies. Once the Kenyan occurs, that's it. How do you get out of the Kenyan? To give the Kenyan back? You have to do another Kenyan. Think about marriage. Once she accepts the ring, if either of them went out, what do you need? A get. A divorce, right? Get. What would the example be if, if I back out of the date sale, that, and the dates existed already. And then we'd have to do another Kenyan. So then, then, then we could do the thing with the pen again. But the other way around. That's right. I would, right the buyer would become the seller, and the seller would become the buyer. Right. Okay. Right. If I give you a gift, who does it belong to? 
Okay, so now if I give you a cow as a gift and you've actually done a Kenyan on the cow and now that cow goes and does damage, who has to pay for the damage? That's right, because it's your cow. You say, well, you do it. Kenyan has that change of status and it's done. There's no, there's no backseas, there's no reneging, there's no, that's why it's so important to figure out if the Kenyan has occurred, okay? It's permanent. It can be undone by another Kenyan, but it, can, it itself, it's a done deal. So now, if, I, if, I, if we agree for, for some sort of sale for an, a future commodity, a future good, right, which people, people do all the time, you have a problem. How do I make sure that you don't back out if all of a sudden the situation changes? And how do you make sure I don't back out, right? I want to buy the dates. So I want to sell you the dates. You want to buy the dates, but the dates don't exist yet. With a simple solution. I could sell you the tree. Because he who owns the tree, or I guess she who owns the tree, in this case, oh, oh, automatically owns. So I sell you the tree. Now, how does this work? I say, okay, I'm going to sell you the date tree for, I don't know, whatever, it's 900 shekels. And you give me your pen, I pick up the pen, and now the tree is yours, and the dates grow, it's yours to collect, and problem solved, right? Except there's one tiny issue. There's, I sold you the whole tree. I didn't want to sell you the tree. I just wanted to sell you the dates. What? That's an interesting thing. I don't want to go into that right now. Selling things for temporary is a whole interesting thing. I don't want to go into that right now. Um, I don't want to sell you the tree. Selling you the tree comes with all those things. You know, there's the, the ground and everything. Like, like, what if I want to cut down the tree? What if I want to build a house there? Like, you can't. It's your tree. I don't. <laughs> it's like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not keen on that. So I have a problem. I can't sell you the dates. I could sell you the dates, but I'm running the risk that you'll back out or I'll back out later. So that's a problem. I can sell you the tree now. The problem is, I'm giving you. What, the tree, which I don't want to give you the tree. So we have a solution to this problem. So let's go back to the woman. In a marriage, what is the man acquiring? Her marriageability. He's not acquiring her whole being, right? She does not become a piece of property that he owns. Okay. Could I sell you the date-producing element of the tree. The fact that the tree produces dates. Not the tree, just a particular part of the tree. Yeah. Which part of the tree? Date no, not the physical the part. <laughs> not a physical part. Just think about marriage. Right? The marriageability is not a physical part of the woman. It is a legal part of the woman, right? In other words, as an owner of a tree, I have many rights and responsibilities to that tree. One of those rights is the right to all of the, that it produces. That is part of my ownership of the tree. Can I sell you that part of my ownership and keep the rest of my ownership of the tree for myself? Yes. But then what about, do they always own all the future dates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but th- that, uh, that issue still exists, but for our purposes, we're not going to go into that. So I have a third option. My third option is I could sell, not the dates, the, the tree in as much as it produces dates, but not the tree. So if it stops producing dates, you have the right to just talk about No, even if it's well, it's producing. I could cut it down right now. 
Yeah. She says, what you is as long as this tree exists, you own which part of it? The ability of the tree. Yeah. It's like if you own the milk producing ability of a cow. Then you get all the milk. Sell my cow. Do whatever I want with the cow. I just don't get to own the milk. It's a very interesting kind of an arrangement. What happens then if like you have the ability to make hamburgers out of the cow? That's right. Um, in other words, you're asking is since I could cut down the tree, right? Yeah. Why am I supposed to agree to like, yes, thank you, I own all the dates, you can chop it down tomorrow. Right. Right. So you can, you can, you can do things, you can, you can do things to work around that. Okay. Um. But, so now what have I done? I've, I've given something which exists, right? But its only tangible reality is manifest in what will exist later, okay? So, I can't give, I, I cannot right now sell you the dates that don't exist, right? If we make a sale, it's not binding. When the dates actually grow, any, either of us could back out, right? I could give you the tree, but then you have the whole tree, right? So I can't, you know, for instance, if I want to cut down some branches from it, I can't do anything, right? Or what I could do is I could give you a particular aspect of the tree, which is the fact that the tree produces dates. In which case, what you own is something, you, is something that exists now, but is only of relevance because of what it will produce later, okay? Does that make sense, those three things? Okay. So, what I want us to think about now is like this. The person, the human being, the inner life of the person, that's the day tree. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is a time <laughs> class. <laughs> this is a time class. The inner life of a person, that is? The day tree. The day tree. Our behavior, our thoughts, speech, and action, those are the? The dates. Okay. Make sense? Because, in fact, we even, our sages even tell us that the, 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 the fruit of the righteous are their good deeds. So there you go. Okay, now. The date tree itself is the inner life? The inner, date tree itself is your inner life. Yeah. Not the ability to. Nope. No? No. The date tree itself is the inner life. The fruit, what? The fruit? Just wait. Okay, now. What would you call a person? who sells the date tree to God. Now the whole person belongs to God. That's a tzaddik, right? And therefore, can a tzaddik rest assured that of course, whatever actions they will take will of course be godly. If the tree belongs to somebody, then obviously whatever the tree produces will belong to that somebody, right? So if your whole being has been given over to Hashem, i.e. the tzaddik, well, then obviously all of your behavior will be godly behavior, godly thought, speech, and action. Okay. On the other hand, if you have not given yourself over to God, you as a person have remained in your own possession, right? You've remained disconnected from God. Can you give Hashem your behavior? Well, if, if, 
if you don't give the tree, if you don't sell the tree, can you still sell the dates? Well, you can, as long as one, one condition, as long as the dates exist when? Yeah. Now, so if I am totally disconnected from Hashem, can I right now in this moment force myself to do what God wants opposed to what I want? Yeah. So, in other words, like this. I can, in the moment, force myself to act in accordance with Hashem's will and not my will. Just like I can keep the tree for myself and sell you the dates, but only which dates? The dates that exist at the moment. But can I do anything now to ensure that tomorrow I'm going to obey God's will? No. If my inner life is totally disconnected from Hashem, there is no, nothing I can do now that will ensure that tomorrow I obey God's will. In other words, the idea that I can make a resolution today that from now I'm going to obey God is equivalent to selling the dates that don't grow yet. I haven't grown yet. right? Because if the tshuva hasn't transformed yourself. So again, as on a moment-by-moment basis, you can act one way and your inner life be entirely different, right? But you cannot actually do anything to ensure that that's how you will continue to behave. You, each moment will be a whole new thing on its own. Right? So what do you call it, right? So if, like, so, so if I have a bunch of dates... And you come want to buy my dates, and I sell you the dates, and I don't sell you the tree. And then you come back next year. It's a separate question whether I'll sell you the dates the next year, and a separate question whether the next year. And sometimes I might, and sometimes I might not. Does that sound like a banani? At every moment, it's an open question whether or not he's going to act in accordance with God's will. He could force himself to act in accordance with God's will, but so a tzaddik is like someone who the whole tree has been given over to Hashem, and obviously then the fruit belongs to Hashem. Their whole person is godly, therefore obviously all their behavior is godly. A person who is a Russia, in the moment they have their free will to force themselves to act according to what Hashem wants as opposed to what they want, but they can't really do anything to make sure that tomorrow that's how they're going to behave. They can, they can do that in kind of like practical ways, but not in a way, in those, like you can set up a system, right? Like for instance, if you set up a system of a routine and go to shul and people see you and you feel bad, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, you know, I'm pretty sure that tomorrow I'm going to eat. You know why tomorrow, I'm pretty sure tomorrow I'm going to eat? No. Because as a human being, you get hungry, right? Now, right? That's part of how we experience ourselves, so the behavior kind of follows from that, right? Okay, so what's a bainini? A bainini is not like someone who gave the tree to Hashem. It's not like someone who's giving the fruit to Hashem. That's like a rasha. What's a bainini? I give you a third option. The ability for the tree to grow fruit. That's right. In other words, they're giving some aspect of themselves to Hashem. Which aspect? They're good, they're the, no, not the behavior. The, the aspect of some which Capacity. produces behavior, right? Capacity well, can I? No, 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 no. Can I have the markers? I'm going to draw this up. It, it, it's abstract enough when you deal with a tree. When you deal with a person, it becomes even more abstract, okay? Okay. Ironic that you're on this side. Okay. Okay. So, 
first thing to do is with the tree, and then we'll do it over there. So you have the tree. Okay? And you have the fruit. Good? You could have the whole tree. What other part of the tree could you have for our purposes? that exists now and you have the fruit that will exist later, right? Okay? Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. right. So let's run through some possibilities, shall we? If I give you do the Kenyan on the whole tree, okay? Can I write in Hebrew or not? Is that gonna no? Okay. So if I give you the whole tree, the star, that's the king. You became the owner of the whole tree. What else do you get? What comes along with that? The fruit. You get fruit producing part, which means you get the fruits that are coming to later, right? And the ones that are still on the tree. No. Yeah. We're we're gonna assume yes for our purposes. Actually, I'm luckily so simple, but we're gonna. The second floor. Right. Yeah, because there's a question of like, are the dates really still part of the tree? That's the part of the tree. We're going to go Okay? For our purpose, we're going to oversimplify. <clears throat> now, what if I give you just the fruit producing part of the tree? Then what do you get? You get the fruit from the later end now. Right. But do you get the rest of the tree? No, no. Okay. Now, what if I'm not giving you any of the tree? I'm going to keep all the tree for myself. Can I give you the fruits for later? No. No, the only thing I can give you is? Okay. So I can give you the whole tree, in which case you get the fruit producing part, the fruits that are grow later, the fruits that are going to grow, the fruits that are going to grow right now, yeah? Okay. If I give you the fruit producing part, the rest of the tree stays with me. But you're going to get the fruits that are going to later, and you're going to get the fruits of now. But if I'm not giving you any of the tree, I can't give you the fruits for later. I can only give you the fruits of now. Yeah. Right, so the star is what you're actually doing the kingdom of, what you're actually, what's actually changing status, and then the checks are what follows. But, so you're assuming you're not giving me fruit producing in the last column, too, capacity. Right. If I'm, if the, in the last one, I'm just giving you fruit. Okay. My only option is to give you the fruit that exists. Yeah. I cannot give you the fruit that exists later. Notice the only time you get the fruit that exists later is because of the fruit producing capacity either of the tree or on its own. So that works? Okay. So in a person, we have something called the garments. That's what we use, right? And then the garments, just to be clear, those are? Thought. Each 
Okay? And we also have what we call here in Tanya our essence. Our essence is our intellect and emotions. Okay? That makes up the whole person as far as we know, right? There's what makes sense to you, how you feel, what you're thinking, what you're saying, what you're doing, right? And just, so the soul doesn't figure into this? What? The soul doesn't figure into this timeline? This is the soul. Okay. The soul in the life of the person looks like that. Okay. Okay. Good? <clears throat> so the essence is like the tree. The garments are like the fruit. fruit. Okay. So, but now the essence has two parts to it, right? There's the whole essence. And there is the part that relates to the garments. Okay? And then there's the garments. There's the garments of later, meaning how I will think, speak, and act in the future. And there's the garments of now, how I'm thinking, acting, and speaking right now. Make sense? Does everyone see the parallel between this two, these two, and how this breaks up into two and two, Sorry, two and four? Yeah. Right now, I just want you to see the parallel. Yeah. Does the tree have this thing that produces fruit? Right. So it's somehow part of the, part of the thing. If you had, if, if your whole essence was in a certain way, your actions would follow, presumably, more or less in accordance with that, right? Unless you actively went against it, right? If you own a tree, you own, obviously, a later. So now we can take out and say there must be some element of your intellect and emotion which relates to the action. That's what I want. There, there has to be. We want to figure out what that is. Okay. So now, if you've given over your whole essence to Hashem, okay? The only thing that makes sense to you is godly, the only thing you feel is godly, well then, what else have you given over to a show by default? That, the part of you that relates to how you're going to behave, your future behavior, and the behavior, present behavior. Present behavior. Make sense? <coughs> Marcus. <coughs> Marcus. You should probably throw out the ones that don't. Well, sometimes they go back to working because it just has to do with how they're like lying there and looking. Okay. Here we go. Good. We call such a person a. Sabbath. Yeah. Makes sense. Good. Okay. Now we've got a person, and they do not give Hashem any part of themselves, right? Like now, now. What makes sense to me is my animal soul. What makes sense to me what I feel is my animal soul, right? So all just that. But now they're going, can they nonetheless give their garments to Hashem? Yeah. And the answer is, well, can they give their garments now? Can they right now, despite the fact, yeah, we have free will, so we can overcome ourselves, and say, right now I'm going to think what God wants me to think, say what God wants me to say, act as Hashem wants me to act. But I can only 
do that in the moment, I cannot do anything to ensure that's going to happen. That kind of person is using incredible amount of free will and willpower to govern themselves and keep themselves in check at all times, right? Every moment, they are literally standing over themselves and saying, act this way, act this way, act this way. Are they going to develop some neuroses? Yes. Is that really sustainable? No. I mean, in essence, it's sustainable because we have infinite ability to do this, um, but you have to become more and more and more driven and like, if you're going to do that, goes down. And... Is that a bane? that sound like a bane? No. No. So what's a bane then? A bane someone is not someone who just relates to the garments, right? Our text made it sound like after prayer, the only thing that's godly is the garments. But if you think about it, that's a classic example of a of Russia. A person who at every moment is struggling to do exactly what Hashem wants, and maybe they'll do what they won't, right? So what's a bane anyway? Does he give over his whole essence to Hashem? But has he given over some part of his essence to Hashem? Yeah, which part? The part that relates to his garments. And therefore, these parts will also be given over, and that's the baby. So now, if I tell you that a baby is just his thought, speech, and action, you see how that's misleading? Okay? It, it's, it's, mis- it's not false, because it is just thought, speech, and action. Even the part of the essence is just the essence as it relates to the... Right? At the end of the day, this deal is just about fruit. It has this interesting technicality that you're giving over part of the tree, but you're giving over the part of the tree only as much as it produces. Okay. And that's what I want to understand. What is this? Because that's where the Bainani is not totally living a, 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 you know, a, 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 a life that's at divergence with himself. You read this text and you read it very superficially. It sounds like the Bainani feels one way, acts the other way. That's a Russia. This Bainani, on some level, he does feel in alignment with his behavior. After all, that's what makes it so certain, so absolute, that of course he's going to act that way. He's given over some part of himself as relates to his behavior. Okay, so now, let's use an example now in real life. If you're a mature, responsible adult, okay, Um, health, you know, permitting, sometimes people can't. Are you going to get out of bed on time to get to work every day? Yeah. Yeah. By now, I want to clarify, what does on time mean? What, yeah, but what is on, what does it mean to get to work on time? The time you're expecting. Not the time officially you're supposed to be, but the time you are Expect to. And by expected, I mean because if you're, if, if, you know, if there's no consequences for showing up late, then you're not really expected to be there that time, right? Okay, right. So there is a time at which if you show up late, there are consequences, right? You as an adult will get up on time to be there by that time, right? As soon as you figure out what that time is, right? That's how adults run their lives. Yeah? Are you pretty sure as a mature adult that that's going to be the case in 10 years from now? Unless you become fabulously independently wealthy or God forbid you're not physically capable, right? Okay. Does that mean you've given over your whole being to your work and to your job? But you, yeah, you've given something of your inner life to that, right? To the sense of like, I have to make a living, right? And that has consequences, right? It's not just 
control, right? And you see this, you see this when, 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 you, when you, like on a very shallow level, when we use bribes to get a person to do something. So for instance, people aren't coming on time to class. So you make like a thing where everyone who comes on time to class, more than a certain percentage gets to go on a trip. Now, what changed is not their ability to, in the moment, make themselves get to class on time. What changed is how they feel about getting to class on time. But now, have they become totally devoted to being a good student because of that? <coughs> no. Right? So, the Bainani, right? The, the part of him that is free from the animal soul is his garments and the part of his essence that relates to the actual garments. Mm. Right? Which again, the text as it's just this paragraph on its own is misleading. You cannot, right? The, we said the Bani is someone who never sins. If all you're doing is controlling your behavior, then you're controlling your behavior in the moment. That's it. And, you're, and there's a huge split, there's a huge divergence between how you're presenting yourself, how you're acting, and what's really going on inside. What does Abaini give over? Abaini gives over the way, the part of himself, that, the part of how he feels that relates to his behavior. Which is, which is a very, that, 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 this is why people get misled, because it's hard to put that into words. What does that mean? What exactly is that? It is very elusive. I think when we're talking about something as concrete as a tree, it's very elusive. And a tree is at the end of the day a tangible object and ownership is a very, you know, ownership of property is a very simple thing that even like a little kid can understand. But we're taking that same dynamic and applying it to something that's much more ethereal, right? The inner psyche of a person. It's more than a because it's not a physical thing. It's like, a, it's like an energy. Right, there's something. some, right, right. Okay. Okay. I once heard an analogy of this. Um, which, take the analogy for what it's worth. It's, a, it's an interesting, it's food for thought. Um, there are certain properties that you can see. Like, I can see that that is red. That, that Tanakh is red, right? There are certain properties you can taste. Like, I can taste that my coffee tastes like coffee, right? With milk and sugar, right? Heat, you can feel, right? You, there's different things. There are some things that are physical properties that you cannot actually experience. An example of that would be something being fragile. Can you see that something is, see the fragility? You can, you can see and understand this glass and your intellect understands that it's fragile. That's what I'm talking about. Can you see its fragility? Can you taste its fragility? Can you smell its fragility? So, so is it, if it's, you can't taste, you can't see it, you can't, in what sense is it a physical property? Because what is fragility? It's not physical. It is physical. How is fragility physical? Well, Take a baseball, throw it at a pane of glass, well, and the throw. Concept, though. No, but, but what 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 is true of the glass that is not true of the rock? Is that the rock is not? Okay. So it it, ha- it relates to what will happen to it rather than being a property in it. Right? There's something about glass that will means that it will easily break. That, whatever it is about glass that makes it easy to break is not true about a regular stone. But you only see that when what? When you throw something at it. Okay? So there's this aspect of our essence which is hard to see 
because you don't really see it directly. You only see how it influences your behavior. Okay? Now, could you, could you break a rock? If this is really hard rock, could you break it? Yes. Yeah. Right? So a person comes by. They don't know anything. They've never seen rocks. They've never seen glass. Nothing. They come by and they see a broken rock in many, many pieces and broken glass in many pieces. And they say, aha, these are the same. They both broke. And someone says, no, 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 you don't understand. The glass broke because the glass was fragile. The rock broke because someone took a sledgehammer and beat it for like five hours until it shattered into a bunch of pieces. Right? So I look at a person, at the end of the day, I see this person's doing a mitzvah, that person's doing a mitzvah. But this person's doing a mitzvah because they are making themselves do a mitzvah despite themselves. This person's doing a mitzvah because something in them is pushing them to do the mitzvah. But when they go looking for that thing, they don't feel like such a holy person because they want to do all sorts of other stuff also. It, it, it becomes a very, it becomes something that's very hard to appreciate or, because we're very comfortable with the idea of like a dichotomy. Like there's the tzaddik, his whole being is godly, right? The tree belongs to you, that's it. Or we're very comfortable with the idea of like, you're just controlling your behavior, right? You're just selling you the fruit and the fruit you can only sell when it's there. I can only control my behavior in the moment that I'm, that I'm acting. This idea that there's some aspect of me which isn't the whole of my being. I'm not 100% on board, but I'm on board enough that as it leads to my behavior, that's a given. That's something that's very, it's very hard to find the precise way of describing that to a person. But that's, that's what a bainini has. That's why a bainini is a sustainable thing. That's why the bainini can be said to never sin. That there is a change in the, in the essence of the person, in their intellect and emotions. That's lasting. It's just a change. Like fragility, it's only manifest when the thing breaks. It's only manifest as it influences your behavior. It's not, it doesn't free you of all the attachments to everything else. Yeah. So, like, what if a person, I've, I've heard it said that if you wanted, how do you know you're really giving it to God? That part's not important. If, Sometimes it's easy to do things for people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. So, abandoning, and that the effort is actually considered a positive. That you're doing something, if you don't want to do it, you're doing it anyway because you're pleased Hashem. Mm-hmm. How would that fit into the abandoning if you don't want to do it? It's, it's also self-discipline then, but it's actually positive. So in chapter 15, he discusses the, the, the value of working hard and how even someone who's not and who have no tendency towards sin. He talks about it. He talks about it. Okay. So, if I come to a person, I say, okay, a tzaddik, no evil inclination, all he does is love Hashem. And a bainani, even though he doesn't love, even though he has an evil inclination, and even though he wants to do horrible things, but he controls himself and all he does, all he, and he makes sure that his thoughts, speech, and action are 100% what God wants. Am I really describing a bainani? No. Now, if I'm talking to a child or, or a teenager, like, you know, like 13, 14, 15, that might not be so misleading because, like, that's basically where they're holding, right? But if you grow up and that's your only sense of it, then what do you start developing a sense of that Bainini is? A Bainini is someone who's very good at faking it, very good at acting one way, even though inside they don't feel 
connected and aligned with that at all. And that's the opposite of what we've been learning, right? So that's why I want to clarify. This thing when he says it's only with the garments, the garments, pl- the garments meaning the actual garments and your, the way you relate to your garments, the way you feel about your behavior. But the way you feel about your behavior is not the totality of your inner world, is it? And that's, it's, that's the difference. The Bainini, even when, even though the way he feels about his behavior, and therefore we're sure what his behavior will be in the future, right? Like the tree, if you give over the fruit producing by the tree, we're sure that who the fruits are gonna to belong to in the future. But there's so much more to a person. And that's what he goes on to say, that he's gonna describe the difference between when the Bainini's in his state of prayer and after a state of prayer is that when he's in a state of prayer, as we said before, it feels like the whole person is given over to Hashem. The godly soul is total sovereignty. And that sense of total sovereignty over my inner life goes away after, after the prayer. But it's not there's a total disconnect between behavior and inner life. That, that, that's, that's the opposite of idea of a Bainini. That's just, the, that, 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 that's, it's, also, it's also not sustainable. It's not that there's a total disconnect between the person's behavior and their inner life. Right? Let, let, me make this, let, me, let me take this out of the context of the Baini per se and talk about it in a slightly different context. Someone becomes religious. Okay? So that means they didn't grow up keeping Shabbos and eating kosher food necessarily, etc., etc. Now they do. Okay. And there's a period of inspiration and growth and all that kind of stuff, fine. Okay, and that lasts for how long? What, how long does that last for? A couple of years. A couple of years sounds reasonable. Yeah. For some people less, for some people more. Depends what's going on, but let's say, yeah, okay. And then what happens, a person discovers that now that goes away. The same way they were not totally into Judaism before they became religious, they're actually not totally into Judaism. Now, and someone comes and says, well, that's okay, because the altar teaches us that the main thing is your behavior. You just have to keep doing it. Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing and don't worry about the fact that inside you don't feel it. So A, are they correct as providing guidance to the person? And B, are they using the information that Tanya, or representing the Tanya accurately? No to both. Now, it doesn't mean that they should stop doing what they're doing. Right? That, 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 that's not, I mean, you don't have to go to the opposite extreme. It means, okay, maybe you need to change the way you relate to the things that you're doing. Don't stop doing them. And the main thing is the doing. But for the doing to be a sustainable doing, to the doing to be a doing that you can continue to live with, you need to change the way you relate to your doing because it can't be at every moment you're going to have to, through the mere through the force of will, decide to act contrary to what's going on in your inner life. That will not work. So that's, it, it's, like, it's not good guidance to the person and it also not reflect Tanya, even though if I'm looking for quotes, I could take these few lines out of Tanya and throw them at the person. Okay? Now, at the end of the day, if you don't feel that excuse to violating the will of God, it's not an excuse to violating the will of God, right? Even if a person really, really, really doesn't want to do what Hashem says, they still have to do what Hashem says. I'm not, I'm not giving an excuse for a person to sin, but that's just not, that's not proper guidance. Okay. Um, 
And so that's what I mean. Like, rem, like, when he's saying nevertheless, it doesn't apply. To, your, the essence has remained <clears throat> unaffected by the prayer. He doesn't mean the essence hasn't been affected at all. He means the part of the essence that's so much about the internal experience that doesn't even relate to your behavior. Okay? So I'm going to give you an extreme example of this. Okay? Um, let's say somebody went out on a shidduch and they really liked the person they went on a shidduch with and it didn't work out. Okay? And they ended up marrying someone else. And they married this person, they liked this person, they have a wonderful marriage. Can we say that they have no memories of the first person? No. Can those merry memories still carry with them some kind of emotional weight? Yes. Does that mean they're really considering dropping their first spouse no. and tracking that person down? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> right? Hope not, right? Right? Okay. And in, in, in situations where the, ma- where, where the relationship goes through a rough spot, a normal rough spot, might those memories and thoughts of what if might, might arise in a more <coughs> powerful way? Yes. But, but at the same time, the person's like, it's not even, it's not even real consideration. It's one step less than even the, 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 the nonsense. It's, it's, it's something that, that, as we said before, arises and it falls. But that's because it's not just the behavior Disconnected from the inner life. The inner life as it relates to behavior is all in one way. And that, and there's an aspect of the inner life which is, you know, intention with that. And so that's what Altar is describing is that after the prayer, it's not that nothing has changed in the inner life of the person. But what's changed in the inner life of the person only relates to their thought, speech, and action, their behavior. It doesn't relate to the totality of their inner experience. <coughs> Okay. Now, tomorrow we'll keep reading and we'll describe again what it's like in the prayer versus what it's like after prayer, what that change looks like. But that change, again, it's not that the person is, is, is acting in a role. They're, they're pretending to be someone. They're, they're at every moment engaged in a constant state of, 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 of self-control and self-direction because they're presenting themselves as someone that they're not. That's not what Dr. was describing. Okay. And again, it's also just, I think it's, it, should, it should be clear to everyone that's not a proper way to help a person grow into our mitzvahs. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the other side of the equation is that if a, per, if a person is, a, is not so developed in their inner world, it really is fairly accurate to say that even though you don't want to do it, you just have to do it. That is an appropriate thing to say when a person's inner life is still not fully developed. Such as childhood, into you know, the trick is to is to deepen the sense of what that means. That's what I'm trying to get here, okay? And that's again reflected in this halacha that if you sell the tree, you can sell the you don't have to sell the whole tree. You can sell the fruit producing part of the tree, and that guarantees that the rest of the fruit will belong to the purchaser. So the way to do it is to develop an appreciation for everything. Right, and that depreciation is appreciation that you're connecting to Hashem and who Hashem is and why that's important and the time to do that is the, cont- is the contemplation and davening that we discussed previously. What's the, what does the like, fake feelings in the marriage, like what's the parallel of that? 
that a person can have attachments and desires to Klippa that are totally incompatible with the life they feel like living. In other words, I, I, I just think it's really important that we don't take a, fra- a section like that and understand as the person's like living on the edge of like, I've got to, like, that's just not, that's not the path that the author was trying to set out for a person. It's too brittle. And not only is it too brittle, it also undermines the idea of, of the unity of Hashem. After all, if Hashem is one, there should be kind of a unity in the life of a person. There should be some element of harmony. Even later on, when the altar says the fact that a person is tempted at all, he has to explain how that doesn't take away from the inner unity in a person. But the idea that a person is going to be totally at odds with himself, act one way, and in no way, and in no way, be personally um, engaged and identify with what they're doing, such that 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 that's that's a real manifestation for them as a person. That's not chassidus. It's not tanya. It's not. It's not sustainable. Right? And so a line like this has to be put in the context of the whole chapter, not just put as a bumper sticker on its own. Make sense? Yes. Okay. So tomorrow we will go back into discussing what the, you know, the experience of prayer versus after prayer and how those experiences relate to each other.